So good morning, everybody. Uh, this is a this is a message on seasons, as I mentioned earlier, and it's it's talking about living with intentionality. And this is something that's been brewing in my heart for for well over a month now. But uh, I want to I want to start off with a quick little story. I had a friend that lived out in Oregon, and uh, we were connecting, and. Uh, We'll just say a season happened where I ended up losing my teaching job, and that, that allowed us to go over to Ohio uh, to a different place. We went to Ohio, and, and we, we started setting up roots there, but my friend and I, we, we were really connected um, really well for about a year, and then that season was called to a close, but he actually moved to New York, and when he ended up going to New York... Um, it was like, hey, he's four and a half hours closer, you know, or well, four and a half hours away, I'm sorry, uh, versus over in Oregon. So we were able to connect. And uh, so we started making some trips, but what really was neat was being able to connect with him again in a way that he started just planting seeds in us as far as just, he came out to New York to help with a church plan. And when he ended up moving to New York, uh, he first helped, but then God led him to start a church. And as he did that, he wanted to cast some vision. And he cast a vision on us. It was, it was such a beautiful, beautiful thing. He was like, hey, I want to share some stuff with you. And so we came up. We had some, some time together. It was a beautiful time. But then he ended up uh, just saying, he's sharing all this. Uh, this is what the church is going to look like. This is, uh, this is the type of people that are here. And, and he started just really sowing some things. It really excited my spirit. And within that Within that season, I really wanted to grow. But as he was sharing that, uh, he, he kind of half flippantly ended up saying where it was just like, you know, is this the kind of church you guys would be, uh, would want to be a part of? And on the way back and over, over time, it was about eight and a half years ago now to this time, it really started just sowing seeds. And, and within that, it took four years for that, uh, for that to actually come to maturity. And so he's, um, as we're going in those, and those things are coming together, it's just, we had a lot of things that needed to happen. So when you go from one season to another, we, we have some things that we need to cut off. We have some things that need to end. Uh, within that, we need to physically to be able to move. Uh, we needed to sell our house to actually be able to come up financially. And then on top of that, I had a lot of growing that needed to come because I felt that God was calling me to more. And so God calling me to more, I, I had to start doing some intentional things to prepare for that. So I started meeting uh, with Connie's oldest brother, and he's the kind of person that literally just has a, a hunger to get closer to God that is literally just contagious. And within that, uh, I started really digging into prayer saying, God, what, uh, what do you have for me? What do you want for me? And I started intentionally being in solitude with God versus being in isolation. And that ended up helping me to be able to grow. But then I also had to start digging into his word. I had to know what he was calling me to. And so I had to start digging in. And, and things that used to hold me up now ended up becoming stepping stones because God was working on me to, to figure out a way to be able to do this. So when the enemy was, I'd, I'd start reading the Bible, but then I would get to a spot and was like, ah, oh, man, I, I kind of get hung up on this. And then the doubt would start kicking in. But that's when, um, when things like that start happening, you have to start 
proclaiming scripture over that. And that's one of the things that I learned. So Philippians 1, 6, it says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So within that development of a plan, I, the books that used to kind of just hang me up a little bit, I started sandwiching that with the gospels. And that, that was like the reward for me. And that's what I needed in that season to be able to help me persevere through that. And when I didn't understand the scriptures, and it happened fairly often when I wouldn't understand something, I'd start claiming scripture again. Second Timothy 3.16, God's promise, it says, God, you say that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the thing that really jumps out to me when I, when I hear that, God breathed, God breathed life into us in Genesis. But the same thing, it says within the Bible that God breathed, so it has life. So it can really speak to you and it can direct you within that. It can get you through the hard times as well. So I would start thinking, okay, God, I don't understand this. Help me to understand this. And so I would intentionally pray that prayer and it would help lead me through different concepts like, okay, they had to do this, like the Israelites needed to do this for consistency. They needed those guardrails to be able to keep them on track. And so just different little thoughts like that when it just didn't make any sense, God was depositing that into my spirit. But the thing was, I had to be intentional about preparing for the next season in my life. So I had to find a mentor. That was the first thing. Uh, that had a hunger for God that I wanted, that I needed, that was deeper than where I was at, but I, I kind of just really wanted to get to that point. Somebody that could hold me accountable. And I had to intentionally set a part time to meet with him because I, I needed to hear from God myself. It's, it's different from isolation. You're not just removing yourself and it's by yourself. You're meeting with God. So there's that, there's that distinct difference within there. But then being able to dig into the word so that I could really honestly start hearing and feeling what God was actually leading me to. So we moved up here in 2017. So, and we were blessed with two wonderful years when we ended up coming up here. And then the weight of the responsibilities, there was set up, there was tear down, there was a lot of things. There was a lot of responsibilities and it just led to an end of the season and the church actually had to shut down because we couldn't maintain it in a healthy way. And so within that, during those two years, our family learned so many wonderful lessons during that time, valuable lessons. And God allowed that, that season to end. But my pastor friend and I, we ended up, uh, we ended up having a great conversation one time uh, after the church had closed and we were discussing this opportunity uh, he had for a pastoral position in another place. And I thanked him and his wife. I was like, you know what? Thank you guys, because you guys literally put a glowing ember into our soul, calling us from where we were to a different place. And that I was, I was thanking him for that. And he was like, can you jog my memory again? By this time, it was six years. It was six years from that point. And, and sometimes we can kind of forget along the journey, especially when we're not quite like aware of our intentional role. Do you know that God can work through you guys and you're not even aware of it? I see it with my kids all the time. I have people like tell me like that I used to teach. They'll just reach out to me occasionally and they'll say, you really made an impact. 
And so that's why it's so important to be grounded in God. But six years um, ago, I was like, you know what? Uh, you guys called us because God was, God was calling us to a heightened capacity. And within that, I had, like when we were living in Ohio, we had, we had it all right, you know? It, it was, we ha- I had a good job. Uh, we had a good safety net. Connie's family was there. It was it was wonderful. So we had a really good safety net that was there. It was a comfortable setting. It was a, we had a good house. All of those different things. But we realized in our soul that God was not calling us to be comfortable. There's a difference. God was not calling us. We we needed we needed that for a season, and that was a great season. I loved it. It was awesome. But we have to be intentional with growing so that we can be used for His kingdom. So the decision, it didn't make sense to a lot of other people. And that's why you got to be grounded with God because you got to be able to check in with God and make sure that he's checking in with you, you know? And so there's some different things that you can do and, and it looks different for different people. But I'd have questions like, why Buffalo? Do you have any idea how much snow they get up there? It's like, yeah, I got a little bit of an idea now. I've been up there a few times. And, you know, it just, it just didn't make sense to them. But God was calling us and God was calling us to, to impart into other people. God was calling us to grow in our own lives. And he wanted us to be able to help others to be able to grow as well. And what, what was beautiful about that is that actually led us over to here. And I am so very thankful for you guys. I, I mean, you guys are part of our family. You guys, you guys literally are family to us. And I am so very thankful for the growth that we're experiencing and the capacity that we're being used Proverbs 16.9, it says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So one of the things we, I had mentioned, there's this uh, thing that Gideon did where he set out a fleece to know whether it was God actually speaking to him or not in the Old Testament. So our fleece for coming up here, it was talking about the selling of the house. So that was, that was the first thing. And I thought that I was ready. I was like, you know what? I, I think it's time. We're definitely being called out there. So I knew the direction. I knew what was happening, where we were going. But within that, what ended up happening is we put it on the market, didn't sell. We hardly even got a nibble. And that was insane as far as, you know, thinking, God, I thought you called me to this and, and whatnot. But God graciously didn't answer or with a yes at that point yet because I had a lot of growing that still needed to happen. So then we closed it for the holidays, that fast forwarded, uh, and then I felt and I saw and experienced such a tremendous blessing when we ended up going and, and listing it again. I finished the house a little bit more and I was going through this uh, Circle Makers by Mark Batterson and it was, it was telling me that I had to be intentional. You know, I, I went from the, okay, this is a nice, safe prayer. God, help us to just move, uh, get, a, get enough that we can end up moving up to there. That's, that's a safe prayer, you know. I felt convicted that I had to write down and circle it and keep on going back to it. And so I, I got to see God come through because when, when we got that resounding yes, that we were supposed to move. Uh, we listed it again. They said, what price do you want? It was the exact same price that it was before. And he was like, you guys realize that you, you didn't really get anything. I was like, I know, but I, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. And I, you, you guys ever have that, that lump in your throat when it's like, God, you got to show up. Otherwise, I'm really going to look like a fool. Um, 
yeah, I had, that, I had that lump in my throat and I had to convince my wife, I had to convince the realtor, I had to convince everybody that I wasn't completely crazy, maybe a little bit, but I wasn't completely crazy. Um, but God answered with a resounding yes in three days. That was fully under contract for full asking price. And so that's, that was how I knew exactly that we were being called up to here. So Psalm, uh, Psalm 37, 23 through 24, it says, The steps of man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. You see, one of the, one of the most beautiful things is when you can partner in one of the greatest adventures that you can actually experience in your life is when you take that next step, when you answer, yes, God, okay, use me. And that a lot of the times leads to an adventure, right? Pastor Mike and Pastor Pam leads to a little bit of an adventure, right? And it's along the way, just with the season, I think that I need to remind you guys, it's all right to have a little bit of fun in life too. So as, um, but it comes down to a decision. That's, that's what in living with intentionality, when I'm talking about living with intentionality, it comes down to a decision. So that decision is, yes, God, I'm going to move towards you, and I'm going to say, use me where I'm at, even though I have no idea what I'm going, because a lot of the times, God only shows you that next step. Does that make sense? You can end up saying, you know what, God, this is kind of cushy. I, I kind of like it here. I'm nice, and, I'm nice and comfortable. I'm complacent. Okay. That's the other thing that you could do, or you can say, God, nope, not for me. And so ultimately, what that looks like is that you're either saying, God, I want to partner with you, or I'm going to try and do it on my own. And it's not like just because you say yes to God doesn't mean that you're not going to have some, some roadblocks along the way, because God is an awesome God, but he's going to allow those things to be able to grow us, Okay. And so some of those things, some of those challenges that we go through in life, that is a stepping stone because God is calling you to a different level. Ecclesiastes 1.8, this, uh, this is a viewpoint from the world that says everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much that we hear, we are not content. Does that sound like the world that we're living in today? That's kind of what happens when people are trying to do things their way and they're not partnering with God. But the good thing is, is we have this guy named Jesus. Anybody ever hear of him? Awesome. Yes, yes, right? So Jesus in John 16, 33 says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Anybody need peace right now? I do. In the world you have peace. Tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So that is a, that is a promise. When, whenever you're coming into roadblocks, make sure that you're claiming scripture because God loves it when you recite scripture. It means that you're leaning into him. So have you ever, have you ever ended up thinking about the way that Jesus lived his life? So he, he lived and he experienced different seasons in life. So he didn't start his ministry until he was about 30 years old. Okay, so when you think about that, even Jesus waited, all right? So sometimes we're called to wait. But we can see how, the, how his childhood affected him. We, we can see how he was in the temple and teaching. People are like, who is this? You know, he's teaching with such, such knowledge and authority. But then a, a thing that I ended up uh, kind of laughing about as I was preserving or as I was preparing this 
his parents on uh, one of their trips to Jerusalem, they were two days removed before they even realized that Jesus wasn't with them. And I can just imagine during that time, if, if you kind of think about it, if you guys have had like, have seen like the parents around with like crazy kids and stuff, you better know exactly where they are at all moments at the time, right? And you're like, oh man, are they getting into trouble? Is, is he or is she doing this or that? They didn't, like what that tells me, that they had so much like trust. And you would think, okay, it's, it's Jesus. It's the son of God. You better know exactly where he is. Well, guess what? God can take care of himself, right? But at the same point, that just says so much about how much trust that he had. But Jesus, he was intentionally preparing for the next season. So when, when he started doing some of his ministry, he actually went out and he started calling out certain individuals. He started pouring into their lives. And then he did all of that before he ever started performing any miracles any signs, any wonders within that time. And, at, and he actually ends up saying in scripture, he's like, my time hasn't come yet because he was intentional. He was leaning into God and he was knowing, he was very, he was very focused on what God wanted him to do. I want to take a look at the life of David. And we had talked about him in a few different ways, but I want to talk about the, the example that he set and the example, what we can do by living it out ourselves and what that can do to other people around us. So David, God was with him, obviously. He was strengthening him. He was directing him because he was seeking safety because Saul, the king that was before him, he was intentionally trying to kill him because he was jealous of that. He was living life. He had, he had walked away from God. And he was trying to do things his own way. And so within that, as he was doing that, um, and he was seeking the safety. He actually wasn't like he had several opportunities where he could have just said, okay, that's, that's done. You know, he had a chance where he could have taken care of the problem. He had people willing to do it right beside him. But the example that he set when he said, I will not raise a hand against the Lord's anointed. He was waiting in that time. And so the example that he set, set the precedence for later. There's another example um, when the Israelites with David, they were out away from camp and the Philistines came and they, and they raided their camp. They took the women, the children, possessions, they took all of that. And then the thing about it is that David, during that season, he was intentional at a time when the people around him, they were furious. You know, they had lost everything of value to them and they were about ready to kill him. And the first thing that David did, he stepped right in and he's like, God, what do you want me to do? And as he ended up saying, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, should I pursue them? He said, surely you shall. And so as he ended up leaning into God, he redirected their anger that was at him and they redirected it towards the enemy of God. And that was the Philistines at that point. And leaning into God when he gives you direction, I, I don't know that he said, you know what? Hey, I want you to go down this way and you're gonna see this field with this big tree. I want you to take a right. He just said, you know, let's go after him. So they took off after them and they got everything back because God was faithful in that. And so that redirection within that allowed an example for these people to become mighty men of God. And, you're, and they're, they're in the Bible, when you read about it, it says David and his mighty men of valor. And that was because of the example that he set and laid down for those that were around him. So... There was another example because it wasn't all nice and roses and everything. I won't get into this, but 
he, he had a season where he needed to be convicted. He wasn't walking in a, in a way that he was supposed to. And so the prophet Nathan uh, came up and he, and he spoke directly in a parable. Parables are a wonderful thing because we can connect to a story. And it roused up a righteous anger in David. He said, you know what? That should never happen. But it exposed a lie within him. And that led to a repentant heart. And so these different seasons that we walk through, it allows us to be able to set an example for ourselves, to go along a learning process ourselves, but also for others. Does that make sense? Okay. So the thing that I also want to say about seasons, okay, is that they're supposed to be temporary. Okay. You're, you don't want to ever live in a season forever, Okay, we always want to take a step towards God, but if we're stepping and we're growing into what God is calling us to end up doing, it's got to be one step and you get closer. Another step, you get closer. Maybe he's telling you to go this way. Maybe he's telling you to go that way. But you lean in. The whole point is to make sure that you're going in and you're leaning in. You know that other point when I said just staying comfortable and everything? There's a word. I believe it's a Greek word. Uh, it's called rut. No, it's not a Greek word. I'm sorry. It's, it's just rut. That's, that's what it is. I, I have a visual etched forever in my mind when I was clearing out a field when I was teaching uh, for our track season because we needed a spot to be able to throw discus and, and javelin and some of that kind of stuff. I was clearing out this field, and, the, and it was a little bit soft. The dirt was a little bit soft. It had been a little while since I'd been on a tractor, and I'm sitting there out there, and all of a sudden the wheels kind of start sinking, start sinking, start sinking, and... I didn't realize I was, I was getting stuck in a rut, so I just kept on trying to go for a while. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm about, the, the tire's buried about halfway down. I'm like, oh gosh. So if we allow ourselves to get stuck in a rut, sometimes it's gonna take a lot of help to get us out of that rut. So just keep that in mind. Ecclesiastes, I wanna, I wanna share this with you. There's a beautiful passage within Ecclesiastes where it talks about this concept of seasons. And it says, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. We come in warm and there is an expiration date at the end. Okay, We don't have a shelf life for this physical body of ours. Okay, So within that, we have an expiration date on that until we get up to heaven. So there's a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal. So if we're planting only, we're going to end up missing out on the harvest. There is a intentionality within the season that we're at, but there is also an intentionality of being able to move and work into the harvest. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. All of these things just, just talk about the condition of the world of this from both the worldly perspective, but also from the godly perspective. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. And every time that I think about this, I'm reminded of Pastor Mike and Pastor Pam's story when they had to actually go out into the, into the field they didn't own and they knocked down the altar because that was a spiritual stronghold that needed to come down. But at the same point, when they, when they set down stones uh, within the Old Testament, it's a declaration of a remembrance within there. And they have these stones that were out there naturally in the back, and they call them Gilgal. I'm not going to ruin the story. If you guys want it, it is a, it's a beautiful declaration. I'll let you guys talk to Pastor Mike and Pastor Pam about that. 
And there's a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching. Sometimes we're called just to step into action. We got to stop trying to figure out the absolute perfect scenario to get this figured out just the perfect way or whatever else. Sometimes we just need to step into action. So pray and lean into that. A time to keep warm, or a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There is this... Um, there's this book uh, in the Two Towers, J.R.R. Tolkien. I love him because uh, he creates an adventure type of scenario, but he uses Christian morals, and that's the way that he wrote. And he says this, War must be, while we defend our lives against a destroyer who would devour all, but I do not love the bright sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor the warrior for his glory. I love only that which they defend. Sounds very similar to what we should be doing, right? Standing up for, for Christ and standing up for the things that, you know, if, if we weren't so passive as, like, I'm, I'm speaking generally, if people weren't so passive, we'd be walking alongside God a little bit more, right? So there's times when we need to just step into action. And so these, these different concepts, when we're talking about seasons, I want you guys to just kind of think about those. So when we, when we get to the spring... Spring gets to a point where there's pruning that occurs. There's pruning to be able to yield better fruit. And we have the same thing within our lives. There's sometimes that we need to cut the things out that are, that are not real great, that are bad, that are okay, and even things that are good to make sure that we can actually lean in and get the best, God's best. In the summer, it's a time of work. It's a time for growth and production within there. And so you have all of this intentionality of being able to get some projects done, get some different things done that you can't do in the, when the weather's not quite right. And that allows us a chance to be able to have intentional time um, so that we can prepare for a rain shower. Because if we are not to the point where we are in the season where we're at, but also prepare for the next season, that rain shower, when it comes down and the ground is real hard and you haven't done anything with the ground, the, the water will just run right off. That's what a barren desert, that's what that happens within there. So we got to make sure that we're preparing our soil right. In the fall, it's a time for harvest, and there's a, there's a gathering to preserve and prepare. There's, there's a chance to pour back into the nutrients into the ground. And so as we're doing that, we need to sink our, our roots deep in with the Lord. In the winter, it's a time for rest. It's a time to be able to plan and to listen. So when we, when we consider all of these different things, I want, us to, I want us to consider how God is going to end up using these different parts within our life and what is our role. So we need to be intentional about like praying about that. So 2 Corinthians 3, 18, it says, But we all with unveiling face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so when, what I want you guys to kind of remember about this promised land, we want to be very intentional about, about helping you to move from where you're at to where God wants you to be. Because there's things that we are not designed to be doing on our own. That's, that's not a season that you're designed 
to be holding on your own. There's a time to be on your own, maybe just a, but as long as you're partnering with God, but that's just, that's just a little snippet. We want to be a family. We want to be able to be unified here. There's, there's some people going on with some things here that are really, really challenging right now. We want to be intentional and be able to be a family, to be able to unite around you guys. So I want you guys to uh, just pray with me here. I want to, um, I want to be able to do this, and I, and I want to talk about just what's going on as far as, as far as like within our heart. Because if we, if we don't do it intentionally, Hebrews 12, 15 says, looking carefully lest anyone falls short of the grace of God, lest any bitterness, root of bitterness, springing up, cause trouble. This may become defiled. When we're talking about that, if we don't, if we don't deal with the problems that are in our lives, it's like that drain that doesn't get cleared out. You know, and when the fall comes and those roots come down and they start getting into the drains and, and they start slowing everything down, if we're not intentional about removing the things that are, that are distracting and taking away from God, then those things will get stronger and stronger and stronger. But we want to be incredibly intentional. We want to partner with you guys and we want to be uh, stepping up to be able to help you guys in the seasons that you're at to be able to see where God is taking us because it's a beautiful adventure. I'm gonna I'm gonna claim this promise right here in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. It says, "My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land." So that's what I that's what I want to be able to do. I want to be able to pray with you guys over this. I want to be considerate of that. And so I just invite you guys to bow your heads with me. So God. We all are called to be in different seasons. And God, our land and our, our lives, they need to be healed. So God, help us to humble ourselves and be able to examine our own role in this. What are you calling us to, God? Will you give us a glimpse? Will you give us a glimpse to see what our part in this? And anything that's distracting, is there anything that we need to redirect our course to be able to stay on? God, what do you want us to learn in this current season that we're in? And how can we be intentional about being in this season and then stepping forward into the next season? God, just grant us a a glimpse of what you're doing in our lives. Help us to be wise and know where to stop pumping our energy. Because as a tree, when the leaves fall, that energy gets pumped down into the roots. Help us to know what that, how we can sink our roots in a healthy way. And so God, help us to move forward in that. God, I am trusting that new seeds are being planned, and new ideas, new purpose. And God, we welcome these different seasons, and we're claiming growth to happen during the challenging times. We are claiming that you are going to help us through those seasons, and we're going to be stronger because of it. So God, unite us together. Help us to live with intentionality and meet us where we seek you in solitude rather than doing life on an island of isolation. God, we pray for a hunger for your word and for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. 
And may we all open our hearts to you and respond to you. Lord, I pray that anyone that has lost hope, that right now you pour yourself, it's been scriptures like that, you'll pour out your spirit in us so that we can hope. And you'll give us what we don't have as a gift. So we receive it and open up your hearts. Whatever that means, we just open up to him. In Jesus' name, amen. So Ecclesiastes 3.3, 3, we looked at last week. To everything there's a season, a time for every purpose in heaven. And then going down to verse 11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. So that includes us. He's made everything beautiful in its time. And he has also put eternity in the hearts, in their hearts. So it's our hearts. Eternity is in our hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. It's a mystery sometimes, your life, right? You don't know what, what's next. And why did it happen? And seasons are about change. And like, okay, we woke up, it's snowing. It's change. <laughs> and the, um, I love definitions, so you're going to hear a couple of them today. Season means the time when something takes place. A fitting, convenient time. To add or change the flavor of, like when you season food. To make or become usable. So think about yourself. Make or become usable by aging. And I thought it was cheese, right? To become seasoned or more usable. Like seasoned firewood, that's good. Greenwood won't burn, right? I don't care how much you fan it or use whatever to make it burn, it's not going to burn. In season means in or at the proper time. Available, fresh for use, like food. You want food that's in season. You want to you know, go to get an avocado and it's rotten. You know, it's no good. Right now, it's the Christmas season. So it's time to bake Christmas cookies and all those yummy things and get a Christmas tree, right? It's the Christmas season. I wanted to say, what season of life are you in right now? Just think about that a little bit. What season? I know we're in the Christmas, but what season are you in in your life? What's God doing in this season? I believe he wants to produce fruit in this season. You know, we've been through stuff, and you know, you don't go through stuff and nothing happens. You can become bitter, or you can become better, right? We've all heard that. So... What season are you in and what can it produce? What kind of fruit, good fruit? Ecclesiastes 3 3, I wanted to say that again. To everything, there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. So seasons have purpose. And I'm looking around and I know that some people are going through a hard season or a joyous season. Jesus is going to have a baby. Yay! <laughs> And they cause us to grow. So the purpose of a season is to cause us to grow. God has purpose for us. I just want you to look at each other and just say this. God has a purpose for your life. Yeah, he does. The word purpose means something one intends to get or do. The aim, determination, the object for which something exists. So why do I exist? What's my purpose? We might do a series on that, too. We go through seasons because God has a purpose for each one of us. And seasons are about 
changed. So I didn't read a poem that I wrote. It's a simple poem. I wrote it for myself. And I think maybe you could get something out of it this morning. And it's just called Change. Maybe you want to just think about your life and like our heart. What can we make room for? What's God doing? What does he want to do? At times I hear God quietly say, your way is not my way. I hear him when he wakes me. He shows me things and I agree. But how can I change? What can I do? He says, I can make all things new. As I share with him my innermost being, as I look inside, I begin to start seeing that even though we're not to blame, sometimes life's paths can hurt and maim. These hurts we encounter throughout our life can get buried inside us and cause us strife. But God gently knocks at the door of my heart because he has a gift he'd like to impart. As I open each room and let him in, my loving Savior will gently begin to show me things that I have buried and takes the load that I have carried. He then replaces hurt with love. My Lord, my Daddy from above. I wonder why I take so long. He waits for me and makes me strong. He's a God of mercy and of grace, and until I see him face to face, I want to be my best for him. So when he knocks, I let him in. So I think that's really the crux of this little message this morning. I'm going to be short. Is he knocking on the door of your heart? Is he showing you someone? Maybe you could forgive someone. Maybe you can forgive yourself or maybe believe in yourself and say, I do have purpose. He makes everything beautiful in its time. And we're the ones that need to change at this season. I mean, we didn't come here in tank tops and flip-flops today. It would be ridiculous. <laughs> we got to change. We've got to adjust. And so God wants to change us, flavor us, season us, so that we look more like him. Glory to glory. We want the aroma of God on our lives, right? Just like when um, you know, we went to Thanksgiving dinner wherever we went, Walked in the place and it smelled good. It smelled like turkey. Maybe mom's stuffing. It smelled good. It filled the whole house. Well, that's what we want to be like. But what about that relative that comes or whoever and disrupts everything and ruins the atmosphere? We don't want to be that person. We want to be like that turkey and stuffing in the pie and all that good stuff. A beautiful aroma. So what season of life are you in? Are you in a season of healing, joy like Nadina's, a new job, a new house? Are you in a season of weeping? Is there a new life, a new baby in your family? Death, have you lost someone you love and the holidays are hard? Are you in a season of embracing? Maybe you have little ones around, there's lots of hugging. Season of letting go. Do you have an empty nest? Ecclesiastes 3.11. I think this would be a good one to memorize. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. God has put eternity in the heart of man. This means that we can never, ever be completely satisfied with earthly pleasures or pursuits because they have vacuum it. It's for God. Only he can fill it. Nothing else can fill it. We can be happy for a little while, but 
Nothing will fill that. I believe some people are here this morning because that's what you want. That's what you want. That's what you're really searching for. And God will fill that. He's amazing. He sets eternity in our hearts. And so there's three things that were um, created in his image to, to work out. And these things are present in our lives. The first one is we have a spiritual thirst. Are you thirsting for God's presence in your life? Maybe you've never really had that. You know about him, but you never asked him to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And you can do that. Or maybe you've known him a long time, but you want to get to know him more. More, you have a thirst for him. Just spend time with him. It's just like any relationship. And that's Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. It's a promise. And the second thing is we have eternal value. We're going to live forever in eternity. We are more than just flesh and blood. We have an immortal spirit. Our value is God's son, Jesus Christ, and he died for us. And that's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord. And the third thing is, nothing but God can satisfy us. Nothing. Not real satisfaction. Not that satisfaction deep down in your spirit, man. We have a God-sized vacuum inside of us. Nothing can fill that void. We feel empty without Jesus. If you're thinking, I need something, what is it? What is it? Why is nothing ever totally satisfied? Do you feel that emptiness? Do you have that little ache inside you this morning? That's what it is. That's what it is. Psalm 107, 9 says this, For he satisfies the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things himself. And so as we go through the seasons of our lives, we need to see that God is with us through the ups and downs. Like I see it like this. I'm just going to make a drawing, but I'm not good at it. So this is me. Okay, yeah, do that. But he's the steady line. Yes. And he's there. It's always steady, always there. It always says, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. Oh, but I did this. No, you're beautiful. I messed up again. No, you're good. I see you like this. He's amazing. So if you feel that longing for him, it's Jesus. He's filling your heart. He's calling you unto himself. And if you've known him for years, maybe he's just calling you to come, come to me more. I want to spend time with you. I love you. I miss you. I miss you. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 3 warns, there is an appointed time for everything. No matter what season you're in, we need to look for that appointed time and clear our schedule to meet with God and expect God to show up in every single situation. He's faithful. And we're going to have Rob come up, whoever you want to bring up with you. It's good. And he had a situation, we had a miracle occur this week, and he's going to um, tell us about it. Thank you, Lord.
So to help Pam's condition, he's been on a pill um, that he takes every night and also periodic blood work that needs to be done to check his levels. And just so you know, needles and Camden, they don't go well together. <laughs> Actually, needles and the whole Severance family do not go well together. <laughs> None of us like them. So he had two te blood tests, so or actually three yesterday. Uh, the first one, he almost passed out a quest. We had to get him on the ground, lay him down, lay him there for 10 minutes, found he was fine. The second time, goes in, he does better. We leave, we go to Tim Hortons on Maple Road, we're in line, make our order. I look over and I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm not feeling good. And boom, he passes out. This car ahead of me, this car behind me, and I'm looking at my son passed out right next to me. So like, pam, 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 and then he finally came to. But those waves kept crashing. With our eyes, obviously, stay focused on the waves. Then on the 16th of this month, Perry took him in for the thyroid uh, for an ultrasound scan on his thyroid. It was a really smooth appointment, I guess. He was in, had the scan done, got out in no time, and they said, you'll be getting results in like two to three days. So two days pass, I'm sitting at my desk at home, working from home, and uh, I get a call from Perry, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And she's crying. The scan showed a nodule on his isthmus, which is the part in between your thyroid. Uh, the PA had told her it's a bit larger than normal, and that Camden will need to have a biopsy on the 23rd, which is last yeah, Tuesday, it was last Tuesday. So the scenarios were just racing through my head. You know, is it the biopsy procedure? You know, is it cancer? What is this? The needles? And everyone knows they don't like needles. Um, so we got done talking. I put the phone down on my desk and overwhelmed with everything that has happened over the past year, it was scary. It was another storm we'd have to get through. We were exhausted from everything in August. I walked in Cam's bedroom and literally fell to my knees and cried out, Lord, there's no way you are going to allow this to happen to Cam. You are going to help us. There's no way this is going to happen. So Terry and I decided, decided to wait till Friday to tell Cam about what's coming up because we knew he would be extremely worried about it. Terry and I were obviously fully concerned. So it was an emotional roller coaster for a couple days. At this point, I texted Pastor Pam and Pastor Mike, Pastor Connie and Pastor Logan. I gave them a whole little rundown of what had just happened over the last month or two. And uh, I asked them, is it possible that you guys pray over Camden at the next service on Sunday? And almost immediately, I was flooded with support, encouragement, scriptures, videos, and just total love from all of them. Friday came along and that evening we told Pam what we saw on the scan and about the biopsy appointment. She was obviously upset, asking, you know, why, why me, why something else? She was scared about that biopsy procedure. Again, remember none of us like needles. 
That night, I prayed with Pam. I used the anointing oil. I prayed in the Holy Spirit for peace, calmness, strength, and called out to Jesus to remove the nodule on the wolfman. Mm -hmm. We prayed each night up until the procedure. On Saturday, Pam and Braden went on their yearly youth group trip with our friend's church to help clean up Our Lady of Perpetual Help, which is located in the first ward down in downtown Buffalo. A day that lasted from about 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. And the night before, our friend who had set this all up for them and, and other uh, other kids uh, asked, is it all right if we pray for Pam, you know, after the mass that uh, they're going to have? And I was like, oh, we're like, absolutely, that would be great. So when I arrived home later that night, Pam was excite so excited to tell me about the beautiful church, the stained glass windows, it was built in 1905, this huge marble altar, this one stained glass window that was only one of three in the world. And he just kept going on. And then he said, Dad, during this service, I had a weird feeling come over me that's hard to explain. And I said, was it a good feeling? Or was it like a bad feeling like you're not feeling good? <laughs> and he goes, oh, it was good. And I smiled and I said, well, what you felt was the Holy Spirit. I said, oh, how great that is. Being candid and wanting to make sure I just wasn't making this up, he said, how long does that last usually? And I replied, sometimes when you feel a spirit, it's brief, and sometimes it's minutes long. And he says, okay, mine was brief. After the mass, the priest called Camden up, and the kids and adults gathered around him, and they prayed for him in his upcoming procedure. After it was over, crying, he turned and gave the priest a huge hug, and then went and gave Marlene a huge hug. So we move on to Sunday for a promised land. That was a roller coaster. At one point, we had to take Cam outside to get some fresh air because he didn't he wasn't feeling well. He was getting hot, faint, nervous, sweaty. Personally, I feel that was an attack by Satan. He does not want one of God's children to be prayed over or blessed. But as we all know, our God is always victorious. So Pam started to feel better, and he came back in. So after service, Mike, Pam, Logan, Connie, all gathered around Pam and gave him strong prayers and love. It was amazing, just something that we'll never forget. And this is where God's glory becomes even more amazing. Monday night, before a scheduled procedure, I put on the song that we just listened to, the second song, Too Good to Not Believe by Brandon Knight. Just super powerful song. Um, so while I laying on the couch, while Cain was laying on the couch, I anointed him again with oil. I laid my hands on him. I prayed in the Holy Spirit. I asked Jesus for healing. And boy, was the Holy Spirit present. I felt him. He was there with us for sure. Near the end of the prayer, I opened my eyes and I looked up at Cam and he had this like really concerned look on his face. And I'm like, are you all right? And he said, Dad, I had that feeling again. And I was like, good feeling? Bad feeling? Are you okay? And he says, no, good. And at that moment, he was overwhelmed with emotion and he began to cry. 
I looked at him and said, once again, Pam, that is the Holy Spirit working in you. Accept it. And you need to thank the Lord for the blessing he's giving you right now. As Pam began to sit up, he looked at me and said, it's time for my body. We finished our prayer and, and we went to bed. As you can imagine, Terry and I were like, not much sleep that night. We were tossing and turning all night, at least I was. <laughs> um, Tuesday, we got up ready, uh, ready to go. We got more text messages, DMs at 4 a.m., prayers, scriptures again, song videos, and words of encouragement, all the strength that we needed at that time. We arrived at the appointment at 7.40. Terry had to wait in the car because of COVID restrictions. Pam and I checked in, and after 45 minutes of waiting, a roller coaster ride of emotion from Pam, we finally got into the procedure room. Again, this caused some more concern for Pam. <laughs> we laid on the table for them to perform another ultrasound scan so they could figure out exactly where we needed to perform the biopsy and make a primary nodule. So the tech comes in, she begins, you know, put the yellow stuff on, begins scanning. Uh, I was just holding Pam, and she's going through. And while I'm sitting there, because people have gone through childbirth and stuff, and you're, when you're pregnant, you get the ultrasound done, and it's like, they'll scan, and they'll be like, click, and they take a picture. And then click, they take a picture, so you can see all these different pictures. So as I'm holding his hand, and she's doing that, I'm waiting to hear the click, and I don't hear any click. So after a couple minutes, she says, you know what, I'll be right back. I need to look at the last scan you had, and then I have to get the, the physician's assistant. So she left the room. Pam, with a smile on his face, said, Dad, it's gone. Hallelujah. So we said a brief prayer, and the tech came back in with the PA. Uh, the PA was not doing the scan. So she's going through and looking, and they're talking, and they're like, well, you know, we see here's the thyroid, there's the isthmus, and you know, they're going around, and those are normal structures there. And they said, we're going to take a capture of this, and we're going to go talk to the doctor really quick, and then we'll be right back. <laughs> so they leave the room again, and Pam's like, Dad, it's gone. <laughs> and we pray again. So the PA and the tech come back in the room, and it's like, okay, what are they going to tell us? And they're like, we have good news. There's no nodule. It's totally <laughs> and she goes on to say, I guess it's an early gift from Santa for you. And I really, I just stopped, and I turned in a book. I never forget this. I turned in a book, and I said, no. That's a gift from God. Our son has been healed. <laughs> so they told us we were free to go, and they left the room. Pam got up, we hugged, and he said, get me out of this room. <laughs> so at this point, we're like, oh my gosh, Terry's sitting in the car wondering, you know, what's going on. So we hurry out, and we come outside, and I, we all, both Pam and I have our hands raised to the top, raised into the, to the heavens, like, praise God. And... She looks up and she says, you guys are done already? And Cam responded, Mom, the nodule is gone. There's nothing there. It was gone. I don't need the procedure. 
And at that point, we all started to cry and thank and praise our Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our God, performed a miracle and healed our son in front of all of us. This testimony of living proves that our God will walk with us during our difficult times. He will guide us. He will give us strength and peace and love, and he will bless us. And why is that? It's because he's a loving God, a caring God, a forgiving God, and now as you, as you all just heard, a healing God. Amen. So that takes me back to a few verses from that song we sang earlier, and that I was we had in the background when I was praying for Cam. I believe in the wonder-working God. All the miracles I have seen, too good to not believe. So to everyone here, as Eugene said perfectly, keep your eyes focused on the Lord. If you are going through tough times, if you have a physical or mental illness that you're worried about, a relationship or a marriage that is broken, you feel alone. There's an addiction, whatever it is, I ask Jesus right now to send his healing down on you to give you peace, to fill you with love, to fill you with strength and his spirit. As Matthew 11, 28 through 30 states, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So never stop pursuing the Lord. Stay close to him. He is always there for you. And as you've just heard in this testimony, Jesus performs miracles. And finally, my family wants to thank you, Pastor Cam, Pastor Mark, Pastor Connie, Pastor Logan, and anyone else who has prayed for Cam. This is too good to not believe.
He is a living God. He's a healing God. And he can do what we can't imagine that he can do. He does the impossible. And, and we're excited. And, and we're going to keep you guys in our prayers. And, and anyone else who's who's going through situations, this is a, this season of our life, many of us are, are going through things and stuff and that are hard to handle. And, and we want to lift all of you up in prayer and, and uh, continue to, that, that hope candle there, hope does not disappoint, as Nadine yeah. said, hope does not disappoint. And right now, um, we're going to play a song before we receive communion together. And it's a good, good song. minor C, G, and D. So it's my fault that I put those numbers in there. But I, 
listening to those numbers, I'm like, man, I'm old. I'm not old. I started teaching when I was 12. So. Um, but uh, would you guys just indulge me? My spiritual father, uh, Dennis Shearer, likes pictures. He wants me to take a picture. Would you indulge me if I take a selfie with all of you in the back? If you want to hide, just duck out. But you can applaud if you want, but you can, you can also wave, too, to Pastor Dennis. I just want, trying to get everybody in here. Just, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you guys over here. You're not in the picture. Anyway, all right, everybody wave, smile. Okay. All right, he, uh, he'll appreciate that. He'll see, he'll see Bob there. He'll, he'll see Bob for sure. That's all that matters is but yeah, so um, I don't know how they heard this message, but uh, Pam and Mike heard this message. I, I preached at uh, South Thomas Christian Center, and uh, they wanted me to share it with you. So if that's okay, we're going to. Uh, this is gonna. That's good because that was my warm up. So now you're gonna get version 2.0, which is way better. This is titled "Praising Out of Our Prison." How many of you have been in a prison of some sort? Maybe a mental prison. Maybe a physical prison. Uh, you know, there are, listen, we're all, none of us are perfect. We're all uh, at some point afflicted by something. I mean, I, we've been in this prison of COVID for two years. Um, and it's affected us. It's affected, you know, I was, I was starting to say it's, our teenagers have been affected big time. We have to pray for our teenagers, our children. They've been affected big time. And I see it firsthand every single day. There's been a social stuntedness. There's been a mental stuntedness because of how school has been. And just, I just want to plug our, our teenagers right now and just our children. They need, they need our prayer. They need our, us to surround them, to upgird them, to encourage them. So if you have a teenager close by, just put your hand on them and, and just grab a hold of them. Okay. Hallelujah. My text this morning is Acts 16, verses 25 through 26. This will be found on page 350 of your Bible. I've always wanted to do that pastor joke. <laughs> Pastors have jokes. Acts 16, verses 25 through 26 says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Lord God, I just pray over this word this morning. Lord, I am an imperfect communicator. We are imperfect hearers, Father. But Lord, I pray you open our hearts, open our minds to hear from you this morning. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I like to share another version of this. It's through the Message Bible. It says, along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to God. Robust. Okay? That, that doesn't mean a slow dirge like you're at a funeral. This is robust. They're in prison singing a robust hymn. The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. Then, without warning, a huge earthquake, the jailhouse tottered, every door flew open, all the prisoners were loose. But... I want to give you a backstory to how they even got there in the first place. This was their second mission in Acts. They thought they were going to Asia, but they didn't wind up in Asia. 
They were detoured by the Holy Spirit a couple times before Paul received a dream from Macedonia. How many of you have ever been detoured in life? My father hit a huge pothole and got detoured because he broke his oil pan. He was on the way to my son's game, which it wasn't a game, it was a practice, but he was on his way. My sons play travel hockey, otherwise my wife would be here with me with the boys, and it's, <laughs> travel hockey is real. Um, but my kids are good. Can I say that? Can I brag about them? My kids are good. <sighs> my son's sniping corners like it's his job. Um, they're my kids, I can brag. <laughs> so we've been detoured. I mean, I, there's many detours. I never thought that I would leave the tabernacle of my whole life I've been there. Worship directing uh, for 15 years, being involved in the worship ministry there for over 20 years. Um, some of you are, are from the town. I, I just got to see the communities over here. I've, I've known them forever, and it's so good to see them. And, uh, you know, they've seen me as, as a little guy, as I think 13, 14 years old. I mean, I've known them since. And, you know, I've been there forever. It was a hard choice to make, but I was detoured by the Holy Spirit. I thought I was going down one track. I was detoured by the Holy Spirit to be where I am today. And I had to follow God's uh, direction on that. Amen. Amen. So, amen. So detours in life, we, we all experience it. They were detoured twice by the Holy Spirit before they wound up in Macedonia. Paul had a dream. A man from Macedonia was, was yelling across the sea saying, come to Macedonia, give us some help. And traveling back then wasn't free. It still cost money, and it took a long time. They didn't have V8 engines to get from here to there. I did some research, and if I'm wrong, if somebody is, knows more about this, they traveled 3,050 miles during that mission. It cost them, each of them, 314 denarii, which is about $520 per person. That's a lot of money back way back then. So it was a hardship. They were going one way, got detoured, going another way, cost money. Once they got there, they met this woman, Lydia, and the Lord opened her heart to receive Jesus. The whole household was baptized. They were asked to stay with her. They didn't want to stay, but Lydia made sure that they stayed with her and her family. And while they were in Philippi, they met a slave girl. This slave girl was bound by a spirit. She was a psychic. She was able to read the future. She was also bound to her masters who made money from her fortune telling. So she was bound twice, bound by a spirit and bound by masters who were using her to make money. When Paul and Silas were ministering, this slave girl would be yelling. They, she would not really taunt them, but she'd be yelling, saying, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Well, this kind of helped and hurt their mission because, yeah, they were there to minister, they were there to share the word, the gospel, but she was bringing attention to them that they didn't really want at that time. It's almost like uh, if you're running for office and the wrong group is trying to get people to see you. For instance, if I'm running for office and I had neo-Nazis on my side for some reason and they're yelling, check out Christian, he's got something to say. Well, I don't want to be affiliated with them. It's a bad spirit. There was a bad spirit in this girl. So it helped them and hurt them because it did draw attention from the crowds. 
but it also drew attention from the religious sphere, the Roman customs and various beliefs of that time. So present day thinking, there's, there's a religious spirit still out there. Now this church is a wide open church that, that embraces the move of the spirit, amen? We want the spirit to move here. There's Mike and Pam are not stopping the move of the spirit. I mean, it's healthy, look at this church. It's just about every seat's full in this building. It's a healthy church. I feel a, a community here. I feel family here. But Pam and Mike are not stopping the Holy Spirit. The Romans were trying to stop that. Paul confronts and casts the Spirit out. Day after day, this girl would come and say the same thing, shout, drawing attention. Paul got, Paul is done with it. He said, you're done. He cast out that Spirit and set Lydia, or not Lydia, the slave girl free. It became a threat to the masters of this girl. Now they lost money. Now this girl, because she's set free from that spirit, the, her masters lost money. She can't make them money anymore. This act, this very act of setting this girl free, ended their ministry in Philippi. They were accused of teaching ideas that go against the Roman customs, so they were severely beaten and thrown into prison, and their feet put into wooden stocks. So now here they are in prison after a long trip with detours, totally annoyed, and it was expensive, and they're, I'm sure they were exhausted all, all over this. So after all that, how many of you would have an attitude of praise after going through all of that? I hate traveling. I had to travel to Chicago with my son for a hockey tournament. It was that bad storm we had like three weeks ago, and it was three, three or four weeks ago. I had to travel this, I hated it. I did not have a good attitude. I was not praising. I was not crazy. White knuckle driving all the way home. Not fun. I didn't have an attitude of praise. So after all they've been through and then beaten, beaten, thrown into prison, I would not have an attitude of praise after that. So let's just think for a moment, what is in our life that is imprisoning our minds? What's caused us to have detours that we didn't like? What's gripping, having a grip on our lives that we can't let go? It could be just an attitude problem, simple as an attitude problem. It could be a generational thing. My father was this, this way, so I'm this way. My mother worried all the time, so I got that from my mother. It could be a generational thing. It could be drug abuse, alcohol abuse. It could be an addiction of any kind. It could be depression, anxiety. Those are real prisons, people. And I don't know about you, I mean, you're probably way better than I am, but I've got problems. We've all got problems, right? There's prisons that we, we have, that we go through. So some of you are in a prison of your own. You may have gotten there through many turns in life, generational mindsets, life has dealt you a bad hand, or just plain old bad decisions. But I want to tell you that it's a new day, and you don't have to remain in that prison. God wants to deliver you today. You don't have to stay in that dark, desolate, and lonely place any longer. So how are we going to break through? We're going to break through with praise. So let's examine this. In the Bible, there's seven words of praise. Halal means to boast foolishly. Tahila means spontaneous song. Just out of the blue, a spontaneous song. My 10-year-old does that all the time. It might not be the Lord, but he breaks out. Go ahead. 
Zamar means to praise with instruments and or voices. Barak means to kneel or bow. The word bless actually means to kneel. We bless the Lord. It actually in Hebrew means to kneel. Yada means lifting of the hands, surrendering to the Lord. Toda means thanksgiving, and Shabak means to shout. So there's many different ways to praise. Praise is an expression of thanksgiving of what God has done, is doing, or is going to do. I'm just, if you're taking notes, I'm, I'm just going to make sure Mike is catching you. Good? Good. Okay. I'm a teacher. Take notes. There will be... I'm going to say that again. Praise is an expression of thanksgiving of what God has done, is doing, or is going to do. Praise is a sacrifice. We must surrender something or present something to the Lord. It takes a sacrifice sometimes. I Listen, I'm a worship leader. I'm a worship pastor. I preach here and there. And there are some Sundays that I just don't feel like it. It's tough sometimes. It's tough. You leave in the house late. I hate being late. Hate it. When I'm running late to church, I'm all tense. And sometimes I gotta be like, Lord, okay, this is a sacrifice of praise. You have to work through me because in this flesh, in this vessel, it's not perfect. I need your perfection, your strength. It's gotta be a sacrifice. We must surrender something or present something to the Lord. That means our time. That means our time. I've just made a change in, in my, my personal devotion, devotional time with the Lord. When you have two travel hockey players working full-time, um, got to get to the gym. Can't skip leg day. Um, <laughs> when your life is busy, and I understand we're all, we all have busy lives, uh, it's hard to, to put aside that time for the Lord. So I've just made, recently made a change. I've always used my drive to work. It's a 25-minute ride to work. Um, I wake up in the morning. I give my first fruits to the Lord. I pray. I read a quick devotional. But that's not enough time because I get up to my dog's there, and he's licking at, at me, pawing at me. Big, he's a black lab. He's not even a year old yet. Good luck. Oh, it's <laughs> um, Then the kids get up, and then, you know, things things start moving in the morning, but I knew that, all right, I need something else, because in, in the car, have you ever prayed and you just, like, all right, same stinking prayer today, as I prayed yesterday, same thing, and then sometimes you don't even know what to say to the Lord, I'm like, all right, Lord, I think I'm hearing you clearly, that you want me to shut my mouth and hear from you, so what I've been doing is literally on my Bible app here, it's just been listening to the Word, just going through the Bible, listening to, to the Word of God on the, the ride, it's totally made a change. It's definitely going to change in my life. So sacrifice some time for the Lord. Psalm 54, 6 says, I will sacrifice a voluntary offering to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. The second thing praise is, is praise is a garment. Praise is a garment. We should wrap ourselves in praise to deter a spirit of heaviness. This is something that... that I think we've all felt over the last two years a spirit of heaviness, oppression, everything is on our shoulders, we're stifled, we're stuck in the house, oh my goodness, it's, it's everybody had COVID hair, but they had to get hair cut, simple, I mean, this is, 
This is a lot. My wife likes my hair a little longer. It's a lot. Isaiah 61.3 says, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This is one of my life verses. I love it. Oil of joy and garment of praise. You need to declare that over yourself. If you're, if you're struggling with some heaviness, that's the verse for you. The third thing is that praise is an action. It requires you to do something. Now, if you stood during those three, those three worship songs and did nothing, well, I don't know what to say. I, to say. I mean, I'm not asking you to jump around and dance, but doing something, saying, Lord, yes, I'm here, I'm listening to the music, and I want to respond. Worship is a response to what the Lord is doing. Amen? Amen. And the Holy Spirit is an agent of unity for us. So when we're all involved in corporate worship, whether it be live worship in front of you or on the screen, it's worship's worship. We have to respond in some way. We have to do something. It's an action. Psalm 47.1 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Psalm 150, verses 4 through 6 says, Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Uh, I've not yet seen a timbrel in my life. <laughs> I'd like to see a timbrel. Praise him with the stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I don't ever want to let the rocks cry out in my place. I always want to be an instrument of praise. You don't have to sing great. You don't have to play an instrument great, but if you are making some noise for the Lord, I want to be as loud as I can be for the Lord. And praising is an action. It requires you to do something. And the last, I think one of the last things here is praise is a weapon of spiritual, I'm not wrapping up, easy, relax. I'm not wrapping up yet. When you see Gwen come up for the, for the keyboard to, to play, that's, that always used to be my favorite part of service. Like when the musician came up at the end, like, yes, it's ending. <laughs> it's ending. A musician's on stage. Oh, I'm not very popular. Praise is a weapon of spiritual warfare. You can take charge of the atmosphere and change the narrative. I love that. Taking charge of the atmosphere and change the enemy's narrative. Now, I've got a verse here, but I'm going to go back. The verse here is 2 Chronicles 20, 22. I'm sorry I'm throwing so much scripture at you, but it's the word of the Lord. He's speaking. At, at, at 2 Chronicles verse 20, chapter 20, verse 22 says, At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Anon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. Now, I went back, and I want to read this to you before we get to that, uh, that verse. I love this. I'm just going gonna, gonna to pick a little bit out of this. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, I promise. But this, this was King Jehoshaphat's time. There were the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. He was terrified. He had three, three armies coming up against him. And I'm going to skip down to verse 15, chapter 20, verse 15. The Lord said to Jehoshaphat, Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged by, his, by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. 
Verse 18 says, Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low. This is one of the praise words I was talking about. Barak means to bow. With his face to the ground, all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. There was an action there. And then I'm going to skip to verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. Which gets us to the point of those armies fighting amongst themselves. So praise totally changed the narrative. They were there to attack Jehoshaphat and his army. They ended up fighting among themselves and God took care of that. And that was all because of praise. Everything I just read was leading up to that. Praise set King Jehoshaphat and his army free from that. Praise is the language of faith. Praise is the language of faith. When we praise, we are simply declaring, Lord, you are good. Your love does endure forever. And when we start declaring things over ourselves, I am a child of God. We sing that song. No longer a slave of fear, I'm a child of God. When we say we are a chosen generation, we are royal priests. When we declare that over ourselves, we're exercising our faith. That's praise, exercising faith. When you're in a prison, when you're in prison, and it's a, it's a mind issue, it's a physical issue, okay, I'm sure some of you are dealing with physical issues. Something that you thought maybe you're never going to be healed from. I'm sure maybe some of you think that you're stuck with, with a depressed mindset, that you may never be delivered from it. But I'm here today to tell you that praise is your weapon. Praise is an exercising of the faith saying, Lord, you will heal me. You will set me free from this prison. So I want to point out several things in my opening verse, Acts 16, verses 25 and 26. At midnight, this is when they were praising and the prison doors opened. At midnight. Midnight demarks a new day. Midnight is a new day. There was prayer and singing. There was praise that shifted the atmosphere in that prison that night. And then suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, God's hand on the situation took place. He changed it. They praised and shifted the atmosphere and suddenly that was God's hand on that situation. Breaking open the prisons. The prison shook. To me, that means walls being torn down. Amen. Darkness turning into light. Hallelujah. The tearing down of mindsets, past hurts, sickness, fear, worry. Yes. Yeah. I want my prison to shake. Yeah. And chains fell off their feet. That's bondage being broken. That means freedom. If there's any notes to take, these are the notes right here. This is from that verse. I want it to be a new day. Everybody in here wants it to be a new day. The next, I don't want to be stuck in my mindset anymore. I don't want to be stuck with this physical ailment anymore. Lord, it's a new day. Hallelujah. I'm going to prayer, pray. I'm going to sing to you, O Lord. I'm going to lift up my hands and surrender to worship you. I'm going to 
actively be a part of worship. Because I know that suddenly, Lord, suddenly, you are going to take place. You are going to take action. Your hand is upon my life and every life in this room. I want my prisons to shake. I want walls to be torn down. I don't want to see anybody hurting. I don't want to see anybody stuck with a physical ailment. I want to see you free. The Lord wants to see you free. Old mindsets have to go. Worry. Oh, man, what a wasted, wasted thing worry is, isn't it? How many of you have worried and then, like, nothing happens? You dwell on it, and then all of a sudden, listen, I, I struggle with that sometimes. And I'm telling you, like, I've, I have to fight it, and the way I fight it is through praise. It's through worship. I will not let worry take hold. It's a wasted emotion. So wasted. You're anxious for nothing. And I want my chains to fall down. And so through all this, I hope you're getting something from this. I really do. Through all this, once the chains fell off, once the prison doors broke loose, the prisoners didn't go anywhere, but the jailer was freaked out. If you were a jailer watching, watching a prison and these doors flew open, chains fall off, I mean, that's a scary thing. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul said, don't stop, don't do that. We're all still here. The jailer called for lights, and he ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him, and his whole family ended up being baptized. The jailer was saved. So the jailer witnessed what praise can do. Although Paul and Silas were tired, beaten, and straight up worn out, their praise changed the atmosphere for those imprisoning them. For lack of a better term, their enemy for the time being. So their prisoner was their enemy at the time. They praised so their enemy could be saved. God used that situation for his good. Lydia and her family, the slave girl, and the jailer and his family were all saved. All the detours, problems, and imprisonment led to salvation. Don't diminish the problems and prisons that you are in. They're real. It could be as small as, as a problem with worrying to cancer. Don't diminish what you're going through. God doesn't diminish it. He sees every one of your problems, and he thinks it's important that he's there to help you through it. Don't diminish it. Your prison could actually mean someone else's salvation. If we look at what Paul and Silas went through, they were in prison, but it led to the salvation of so many. Don't diminish what you're going through. Because once you're out of it, once you're out of that prison, now you've got a testimony. Now you've got something to say. You could change somebody else. Your prison can end up being somebody else's salvation. So what personal prisons need to be shaken in your life? What chains need to break off? Are you ready for a new day in freedom? Are you ready? Are you willing to let God use your circumstance to let somebody, to set someone else free? This, uh, now this, this is one of those messages that kind of like, when my pastor, uh, Pastor Tommy Smarts, who 
our worship pastor for asked me to speak. We we're going through Acts and he asked me to speak on this and it was kind of like thrown in my lap. Normally I don't do that. I, I whatever the Lord's given me. So when I started studying this word, I'm like, man, Lord, this this is really for me. Like I'm supposed to preach on this, but this is speaking directly to me. And I hope it spoke to you this morning. Um, I, I can't tell you how bad, and I can only speak because of, of being a teacher. These kids are hurting so bad. And I already said it before. These teenagers are hurting so bad. It's really sad to see. We're in a crisis right now where students, and my wife's a fifth grade teacher. She, she sees it too. She's had one of her students go through a gender problem. It's 10 years old, people. How, what's going on? The enemy is trying to attack the mind. And he's succeeding in a lot of cases. These poor kids are confused. And when you're you're living a righteous life, I, I lead a group of uh, teenagers. I don't lead it because I need to go. But I lead a group of teenagers every Thursday morning at my school where they, they come in. We're, we're studying the book of John right now. We're talking about real issues. And it's sad to say this, but if they were to do this out in, in the open, they'd be in trouble for it. Yeah, there could be a, a club that's wide open for the LGBTQ community, and they don't get in trouble for that. Pushing that down everybody's throat. I mean, we as Christians love everybody. We, we try to support as best we can, but it's sad to, to see that that mindset is putting a shadow over the right mindset, Christ's mindset. It's sad. There is, there is definitely a war and an attack on our kids' minds, and we definitely need to, to be praying for them. Keep working on it, Christian. I'm trying. <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, I mean, it's, I mean, I'll just, I'll just give, you, give you some examples here. I've, you know, I teach everything from ninth grade to senior high, senior, seniors, and um, I love my seniors. They're great. They joke around. They, you know, they sometimes get a little bit too liberal with how they, they are around me, and they get too comfortable, um, and I have to remind them that I'm a teacher, and they need to just cool it a little bit, but uh, for the most part, they're great. I love working at Iroquois. It's, it's a great school. Would you agree, Sheila? Yep. You work there? No, my daughter goes there. Oh, does she? What's her name? Charlotte Wagner, you're her favorite. <laughs> Charlotte. Charlotte. She was absent for my test Friday. I know she was. <laughs> She's ready. Where is she now? I, she just, I text her, she goes, Mom, I should have went with you. I'm like, yeah, you should be with me every Sunday. <laughs> Charlotte's great. She is. Yeah. She is. But I, I love my students. Um, freshmen, though. I don't know what happens when you turn 14, but it's not good. It's not good. Uh, but just some, some examples of the, the hurts that, that I experienced. These kids walk around chips, with chips on their shoulders. They think they have something to prove. They, they just, there's a lot of just facade that needs to be broken down. And I have such a busy schedule, it's very hard for me to have extra time with like individual students one-on-one. -on -one. It's just a hectic schedule. But uh, when I do, and, and I talk to these kids one-on-one, -on -one, I'm pretty stern with them. I mean, especially the, the young men, I'm, I'm pretty stern with them. Um, I had a, a student that came in from McKinley High School, 
And, uh, and he was definitely carrying a lot of hurt. He would not look me in the eye um, when I spoke to him. Um, always had the earbuds guy go. Yeah. <laughs> so the, they're always, I'm like, you're not Secret Service. Take it out of here. <laughs> uh, but but I, I'll talk to them just straight on about life and you know what's going on. Like I want you to succeed, and I'm very tough with them, and I hope they see that. But um, the fact of the matter is, they're so bound up from past hurt. It's tough. It's tough. Um, but uh, I want to see people have breakthroughs. I want to see, and, and I want, and I'm going on a big rabbit trail here, but. I want to declare that church is not the same as it used to be, and it can't be. So pre-COVID, that's, that's not how church is anymore. God's changing the landscape of, of church, and this is what it looks like, family, community. They can't be the, the, mega, the days of a mega church, seeker-sensitive church, I think they're waning. I think this is what church looks like, and church has to be out in the community. It can't be stuck in four walls, and we have to get out there, and we have to I, I want to be as loud as I can be for God. I want to be as loud as I can be in how I live and how my children live. And and this is how we need to be. We cannot, it's great to sit here and listen to a message to, to worship. It's great to take notes. But we need to be taking what we're learning here, being equipped by the Holy Spirit, being equipped and, and, and guided by your pastors, your leaders, and take it out there. Easter Aurora is hurting. Hey, I, don't, I don't care how affluent a community is. Those communities need Jesus. When, when money starts to be a God, it's not healthy. We need to show them Jesus, the richness and the goodness of the Lord. So I want to encourage you this morning and pray over you. I want to encourage you that, that there is a God who loves and saves. There is a God who is a God of peace and mercy and grace. Aren't you glad for his mercy and his grace? And I am so flawed. We are all not perfect. But thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace that he loves us so much that his son took the cross, the ultimate sacrifice. And if there's anybody here this morning that's hurting, if there's anybody here who needs a touch of the Lord, I just want to pray over you right now before we end, before we close. I just want you to receive his blessing this morning. I want you to receive his goodness. With every eye, every, every eye closed, if that's you this morning and you need a breakthrough, if you want to meet Jesus for the first time, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Nobody looking, nobody seeing what's going on. If you're hurting, if there's something you need to get broken out of, a the prison that needs to be broken, I just want you to raise your hand right now. God sees you. God sees you. There's something holding you back in life. Something holding you back with your walk with the Lord. Could be time, could be the busyness of life. Just raise your hand to the Lord. This is an act of surrender to the Lord saying, God, this is me. This is me. Father God, you see the hearts, you see these hands that are raised all across this room. Lord God, we give to you our sacrifice of praise. We humbly bow before you like King Jehoshaphat did as he was afraid that these armies were going to be against him. We are declaring, Lord, 
battle is not ours. The battle is yours. This prison that I'm in, Lord God, I'm going to praise through it. I'm going to praise my way through it. I might feel battered and broken, exhausted with life, but Lord, I'm going to choose to praise. I'm not going to let the enemy rob me of my praise to you. I'm not going to let my circumstance rob me of an opportunity to worship you, the King of Kings. I declare you are Lord over my life. I declare you are the King over every circumstance, and you know what's ahead for me. I declare blessing over these people, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come alongside everybody in this room. Holy Spirit, encourage us this morning. We want to walk out of here encouraged with joy in our hearts. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for Pastor Mike and Perry. For the love that they show to this church and this community. Lord, I pray for a special blessing, Lord, as they're recharging on their vacation, Lord. I pray for the rest of the leadership of this church, Lord God, that you would give them vision, give them anointing. I thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we ask right now, Lord, that you would just use us, Father God, as we heard your word this morning, we praised you this morning. Use us as your instruments, Father God, to go out and to change our community, to change the, the, the atmosphere around us. We thank you, Lord God, that worship changes the atmosphere. Hallelujah. I praise you right now, Lord God. I just would ask everybody right now to just, just open your mouth and thank the Lord. Just fill this room with thanks to the Lord. And we can clap our hands all we want, but the Lord wants to hear our voice saying, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I bless your mighty name. You are good. You are a good, good Father. I thank you, Jesus. I glorify your name. Come on, just fill this room with love for the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. We glorify you. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now just give the Lord praise. Lift up his name. Shout to the Lord with
push in in prayer, push in with praise. If you need to stand up and declare this song, Jaira, he is our provider. He is providing whatever we need. So we're going to have this song, but just prepare your hearts, whether it's taking, you know, it's, we're going to take a communion, but prepare your hearts in whatever way you need to. Whether that's surrendering something, you talked about that sacrifice, you know, whatever, do you need to put something on the altar in front of him? Do you need to be standing forward with courage and boldness? So just prepare your hearts right now. Continue in praise and in prayer as we sing this gyra. <laughs> 